this is Will Morris, Executive Medical Director of Cleveland Clinic Innovations, and welcome to another Health Amplified, a Cleveland Clinic podcast. Today, we have a phenomenal guest. In celebration of our 100th year and our centennial, we wanted to look back at those key events in our history that really establish the synergy of research, cutting edge policy, and changes in the way we view uh, patient care, and three is surgical technique and innovations around that. And so it's absolute uh, honor to have Dr. Maria Semenov. Um, she is currently the professor of orthopedics and director of microsurgery research um, at University of Illinois, Chicago. She is famously known for uh, performing uh, the first uh, with a team, allograph uh, uh, near total face transplant in 2008. What you won't know or might not know is is the years of work, the years of research, and the IRB that was the first um, uh, in the world um, to go ahead and approve this groundbreaking uh, surgical technique. And we'd love to kind of explore that. And so, uh, Dr. Semenov, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Well, thank you very much uh, for the invitation and also it's an honor to be a part of the centennial uh, celebration. Uh, I'm, I'm very happy that I will be able to share the, the years of preparation uh, to the first face um, transplantation performed in the United States. And at that time, uh, the, uh, I would say, uh, the, the largest face transplantation. And um, the years which were, um, of course, counted, I always compare it to uh, the fact that the, the surgery was taking over 20 hours but the preparation was taking over 20 years. Yep. And uh, the, by preparation to the surgery, I mean um, different um, experimental work performed in the laboratory. Uh, there was also a lot of uh, logistics in preparing the, the team, but uh, most important, uh, as you have mentioned, was uh, uh, achieving uh, and getting approval uh, from the Institutional Review Board, IRB, at Cleveland Clinic. And that that took a long time. And so, so for those in the audience, can you explain a little bit about the function of the IRB and how did you navigate this? Because, you know, being a world's first and, and an innovator um, requires risk, trust and the ability to kind of articulate that vision. So take us back to, you know, before 2004, when you got the approval, what did that take? Well, uh, overall, it took one year uh, to get approval. Uh, however, uh, the protocol which I've submitted, uh, first protocol which I submitted to IRB was about 20 pages long. And the final one was 120 pages long. So uh, you can imagine that this 100 pages extra were just related to the answers to the IRB committee. Uh, IRB is the committee of both experts uh, in the medical fields, like uh, uh, transplant surgeons, reconstructive surgeons, uh, but also uh, physicians, uh, uh, general medicine uh, specialists, uh, um, kidney transplant uh, experts. 
and um, also lay people and um, just uh, from from the streets, I would say, who can ask the question, um, lawyers. Uh, so it was it was pretty challenging uh, for the first time uh, to stand in front of IRB committee and and the, I was alone and the room was full of people who were asking you are going to do what <laughs> and uh, I, you know face transplant was really unheard of at that time and uh, this was this was really amazing to see how the IRB committee got involved and uh, understood uh, over the time when we have uh, meeting almost every month for uh, a year, when I was explaining and responding to all questions which were asked for, you know, about uh, what well, this uh, technically, how does it relate to the identity of the patients, identity of the donor. And uh, whenever they asked the question, I was coming already with the response, which was coming from um, experimental work performed in my laboratory in Cleveland Clinic, or we have even done additional um, cadaver studies in anatomy lab to show that the identity of the patients will not change after um, receiving a face transplant from another donor. Uh, there was a lot of uh, discussion with um, ethics. Um, uh, people were afraid that when you will um, actually donate your organs, uh, people will take your faces. So that, there was a lot of debate also um, uh, in the media, um, outside of our institution where some of the ethics experts were saying, oh, you know, people will be touring their uh, driver's license. They will be not donating organs. So, so it, was, it was challenging, but I think very rewarding because uh, I was patiently responding to all questions um, asked by IRB. Yeah, I think that's... Uh, and you know, I, I reflect while you were commenting, I think with the pandemic and the vaccination, um, the speed to, to in which we actually now have an effective vaccination, I think there is a general misunderstanding that, um, you know, uh, the development of an mRNA vaccine took, uh, you know, seven months. Um, yes. <laughs> and what you don't see is the years, the decades of dedication, research, bent up, you know, work, surgical techniques, logistics. Um, and, it, and it seems, and I love how you articulated a 20 hour surgery, which is monumental as a humble internist, um, but the 20 years that you, that you don't see um, that went in um, is, is absolutely inspired. Sure. And I would say that, uh, of course, uh, this is uh, always a team effort. Uh, I, I have, uh, you know, to mention that it, it was very, very important uh, to get uh, support uh, of um, uh, Cleveland Clinic, uh, you know, leadership as well as Department of of plastic surgery leadership uh, with uh, Frank Pape being, be, being the major promoter. Of, of this procedure. So um, at the very end, when when I actually went through all these uh, steps and answered all the questions, 
uh, at one of the last meeting, uh, I said, Frank, you have to go with me just to stamp it, you know, and uh, that's uh, what happened. And uh, I think uh, what, um, what was perceived by IRB was that I was not offended by any of the questions and some of them could be offending, I would say. Mm-hmm. But I was trying to understand where the people are coming from because no, not everybody was was the expert in surgery or or medicine. And I think that was that was very appreciated. Yeah, and and, and I think the public and the scientific community as a whole benefited by your diligence, your patience, and, you know, your detail-oriented, because it, and again, I don't know if this was um, uh, uh, occupying your mind, but this surgery wasn't necessarily just about that specific surgery, but really is the, 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 the keystone to future, you know, either face transplants or other you know, advances in the space. And so the, the, did you feel that kind of pressure? Did you kind of comprehend that? I think it's, uh, that that became not a surgery, but uh, philosophy yeah. and uh, an ethical issue. And um, I, I have to also um, just um, to share with you that before IRB approval, um, I have published with my team over 60 peer review publications not only in surgical journals, but also in ethics uh, and in psychology journals. So I think that that was very important to share with the public, like to prompt the public. You know, something is coming. It's not like the, uh, you know, Arctic uh, freezing conditions we are getting one day, unexpectedly, as it is happening right now in Chicago. But uh, this was more like, you know, they are talking about face transplant. They are doing it in the lab. Oh, they are presenting it at the conference. Aha, they are now uh, telling us that uh, actually ethics is starting to approve it. So, so that was this all preparatory work, which was involved even before I uh, went to IRB with the first protocol, written protocol. And, uh, and by... Um, collaborating and discussing with different uh, uh, faculty members uh, and team members in Cleveland Clinic, but also with friends and colleagues outside of the institution during the national and international meetings, I could see that there is a lot of support and approval for something like a next step, something should happen, you know, that that was never done before, but it's feasible because the solid organ transplantation, of course, has a, a very, very long history. So why not to come to the new field of uh, what is now known as a vascularized composite allotransplantation? Mm-hmm. And, and how um, do you feel that uh, the attention and certainly the the media, um, you know, followed this intensely because of the complexity, both the surgical technique, the management of of the patient with a complex, um, you know, uh, immunotherapy afterwards, but then also the policy. H- how has that played with the importance of just organ donation as a whole? Um, were there, you know, conversations with um, LifeBank and others to kind of figure out? 
um, how can this also push the dialogue of the importance of um, people being organ donors? Well, that's that's a very good question. That that was a challenge, I would say. Uh, just uh, for the historical record, uh, we received the IRB in 2004, but it took again another year before the organ procurement organizations approved face transplantation as a as a potential um, do, uh, organ, uh, and um, technically. It was not only talking to LifeBank uh, in Cleveland, but also um, I, I was uh, taking a couple of trips outside of the uh, of the region. Uh, actually, going with uh, Dr. Uh, John Funk, uh, driving to Pittsburgh to another um, you know organ procurement organization to present them uh, the case and even the patient. Um, uh, in terms of presentation, PowerPoint presentation, what we are going to do, uh, also to Michigan, uh, and uh, this was this was very challenging because everybody was kind of looking into that. They were discussing. They were looking how it will affect their donor pool. Yep. Uh, they will present it to the to the potential, uh, you know, donors or families of the loved ones. We, which we just um, you know it takes it takes uh, brevity of someone uh, who who will accept that the, you know after passing of their loved ones they will still agree to uh, face transplantation. Yeah, and and then fast forward with just you know the groundbreaking. Um, uh, journal work um, with uh, uh, National Geographic and, and their um, chronicling um, uh, uh, Katie's story and journey. How, how has that kind of uh, continued to shape the field and create awareness and conversations? Sure, I think uh, the, the important part of uh, being able uh, to, to show the, the, I would say, lay public with all respect, uh, that um, they are just normal people who, at one point in life, being very young, they turn the life from being great to life being miserable. Yeah, okay. And uh, this um, National Geographic, of course, uh, um, piece was, was, I think, very, very well uh, respected by, by, you know, internationally, nationally, internationally, of course, in Cleveland Clinic as well. And um, to to present that that you can accomplish something, that you have family involved, that you have a team involved, that that um, the the, are, the patients are not alone. If you lose something in your life so important as your face, or maybe just your kidney, you have the team of physicians who are always behind you. And for me, is the the most important is just to to share that. Uh, as any other patient, of course, you you almost remember probably most of your patients. But but transplant patients are for life. Mm. As long as they are alive, they you see them. You see them for the follow up, and uh, you know uh, as a hand surgeon, I would say, when when you have a, a little fingertip injury, and you fix it, and in a week the patient is coming and it's healed, then you don't see the patient. Okay, the patient is fixed. But when it comes to 
transplantation field and face transplantation specifically, which is a very novel procedure for the field, then then you see the patients as, as Connie Culp, you know. Yeah. She was first, of course, for for several months in Cleveland Clinic, but also then she was coming uh, every couple of weeks, then every couple of months, then every every half a year, and then at least several times per year just for the follow-up visit. And we were always on the phone, and uh, her, her daughter, Alicia, uh, sometimes was texting the picture, oh, you know, my mom has some redness uh, on, on the face. Is it a rejection? Mm -hmm. uh, well, you know, not sure, just bring her in. So it's, it's, it's emotionally engaging, uh, and, and it's, it's very important that, that the audience uh, will understand that we are not just doing something, you know, for being famous or, or, or just doing it first, uh, but it, it's, it's changing uh, the, um, the humanity. Yeah. So, so fast forward to uh, now, um, tell us a little bit about your work, what gets you excited, what are the breakthroughs, the next breakthroughs that, that you're working on that you feel um, can, can, again, contribute to, to you know, the amazing impact in this field? Sure. Uh, so uh, just um, now at uh, University of Illinois, I also open program for hand transplantation. Uh, just uh, to mention about face uh, transplant program, I think it's fair uh, to emphasize that uh, that uh, um, the um, two-face transplant patients uh, out of three performed in Cleveland Clinic uh, were supported by my Department of Defense grant of uh, Arm Force Institute for Regenerative Medicine. So it would not be possible with, without the, this uh, financial support from DOD uh, of several million dollars. Uh, that's uh, where the question comes about the future. So where we will have money to support and finance uh, the expensive procedures of transplantation, such as face, which are still not considered standard of care. Yeah. So with standard of care, like a kidney transplant, you can consider and have uh, support from insurance companies, but we are fighting, that's the next step, we are fighting now uh, for, for just approval of the face tra transplantation uh, and hand transplantation as a standard of care, so insurance companies will be, uh, will be supporting that. This brings us uh, back to Chicago, where, where I opened the hand transplant program. I opened one also in Cleveland Clinic at that time. So, so hopefully we will perform at some point uh, uh, another innovative surgery. But I think the future of, uh, of um, this new field of vascularized composite allotransplantation including uh, face transplantation and hand transplantation and abdominal wall transplants and, and uh, you know, even penile transplants. Uh, all these uh, new organs, I would say, um, uh, the future, I think, will be uh, the uh, regenerative medicine. Yeah. And uh, a lot of work uh, done in my lab right now is uh, towards uh, creating uh, the the combination of, of the um, uh, scaffolds 
which are based on, for example, facial scaffold, which will be covered with the stem cells, uh, which will be kind of a growing organs. <laughs> uh, that's uh, one of uh, the options. And uh, the second one, I think, uh, more important in terms of uh, future of the entire field of transplantation is uh, the work which I started in Cleveland Clinic and I'm continuing uh, uh, here at the University of Illinois at Chicago is uh, on the um, tolerance-inducing strategies in transplantation. And um, uh, you may be interested uh, uh, as, uh, as, you know, uh, general medicine specialists that we are uh, performing a fusion between the cells of the donor and recipient coming from bone marrow. And we are creating a chimera, chimeric cells, which are donor recipient chimeric cells and are supporting transplantation of the in experimental lab of, of let's say, face uh, with the cells which represent donor and recipient. And uh, we are getting tolerance, which is uh, very important uh, uh, for the solid organ transplantation, but also uh, just uh, to not be, you know, bored, <laughs> uh, I brought uh, this uh, chimeric uh, cell therapy towards the field of uh, muscular dystrophy, specifically for the shared muscular dystrophy. And we are creating now um, dystrophin-expressing chimeric cells uh, for, for the application in, in Duchenne. And talking about innovation, so we have spin-off company Wow. based on the, of the license uh, uh, here at UIC for this chimeric cells for Duchenne. And uh, uh, this is actually in preclinical uh, uh, preclinical stage. We have talked already to FDA. We are talking to EMA, the uh, European Med Medicine Agency, and uh, we are preparing first in human uh, uh, chimeric cells, which will be representing the father, who is a normal donor, and the father um, biopsy of the father. Um, muscle uh, mm -hmm. will be giving us the myoblasts from the donor and then from the recipient, and the chimera will be bringing uh, to the patients the, the regenerative medicine potential. Uh, that is uh, uh, that is beyond exciting. Um, I mean, uh, what I love hearing this, and, and we are up on time, but I think it it actually is a perfect um, culmination of. You know, you exude intellectual curiosity and passion and advocacy for, you know, impacting a patient's life, whether it be a face, whether it be a hand, uh, uh, Duchenne's uh, uh, muscular uh, dystrophy. But I love, um, you know, it's all based on, on hardcore science, relentless work, uh, Unbelievable hours, I'm sure, in the lab, researching, um, at seminars, working with colleagues, and I think that that to me is is the ethos of the hundred year uh, celebration. Is it's a celebration of our you know sheer intellectual curiosity, ability to convene others, and relentlessly pursue um, avenues even when they shut down, and 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 it just sounds like 
this story is not ended. Um, and I want to come back maybe in a year or so and hear about the chimeric cells, because I think that is absolutely um, phenomenal and fascinating and just such a, a fascinating output of you know someone who is so renowned in microsurgery and, and research. Well, thank you very much. I would just say uh, at, at, the, at the end that uh, there are certain places when, uh, where you can achieve success. And uh, Cleveland Clinic definitely promoting uh, science, research, and innovation was yeah. the place that uh, this was possible. I'm not sure if it will be possible in some other places. So, so at the centennial, uh, I think that's also um, support of, of the Cleveland Clinic as an institution uh, made a, a, a major difference. Well, we wish you all the best at the University of uh, Illinois, Chicago, but you can consider yourself an you're always family uh, uh, back here in Cleveland. Uh, we're a little bit warmer, too, than uh, Chicago right now. So I'm just saying that. Um, but thank you, uh, Dr. Semenov. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, Dr. Semenov, for, 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 for this time. Um, your impact on, I think, the lives of many, uh, your leadership, your passion, your vision, um, and we're excited to read the next chapter. Uh, thank you so much. This is Will Morris with a Health Amplified, a Cleveland Clinic podcast. Thank you again.